You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. We talked about Wonderful Counselor last week, a little bit, with the time that we had. And I was praying about it, and I really want you to focus on how wonderful it is that Jesus was foretold, that Jesus was planned, that Jesus is everlasting, but Jesus was from the beginning, he was at the creation, he was always there, but yet he was born as a baby, and he lived among us, and he died on the cross for our sins. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says that in Isaiah 9, 6. And it's a great thing to put on Christmas cards. It's a great thing for us to think about this Christmas season. But this was a prophecy to a people that were desperately in need. They were being attacked and tormented by the Assyrians. They were looking for God to do something. The Israelites were looking for God to do something to rescue them, to give them a mighty king. And so Isaiah prophesied this, and when they first saw this, when they heard this, they didn't automatically go, oh, that's Jesus. They didn't take their New Testaments and go, oh, look, it's here in John 3.16. It's right here in John 1. Uh, they didn't have that, so they looked to a nearby uh, king or somebody that would take over, you know, someone that would come after Hezekiah or something like that, and they didn't know God's wonderful, perfect plan one that was 700, almost 800 years later that this would happen. And when Jesus was talking to the men on the road to Emmaus, when he tells them that um, basically, you know, I'm the one that was spoken of or talked about, he's probably referring to this passage here and many others, but Jesus is eternal. And when I think about that, I think to myself, okay, I'm a little disappointed right now in the way everything in the world that we have is going. You know, I'd like to see, you know, God honored and more people living for Jesus and great things happening in a godly Christian country, but not happening. And I know that someday Jesus will return and set things right, and he will be a mighty ruler, a great, he will, he is all of these things, and he will be all of these things. Um, However, when I read the passage, and I've always thought about this, I always get confused because... Okay, so Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he tells us to pray to our Father in heaven. But if you look back in history, there's like the father of our nation. Like you could say George Washington was one of the fathers of our nation. So in that way, Jesus is like a father. A mighty king, a wise ruler is often seen as the father of a country in the same way that Jesus is seen as a father to his people. Now, there's other passages in the Bible that say that Jesus is like our brother. But nonetheless, don't be confused about the whole thing. The concept is is that Jesus is worth following, that he's powerful, that he will rule in a great, he is ruling, but he will rule in a great way in the coming age, that we can trust him, that he is all of these things. Everlasting, he is from before the creation of the world. He was active in the creation of the world. So let's just go back to this counselor thing for a minute. I talked about counselor a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've gone to see a counselor. I've gotten to do some counseling. 
I prefer to actually refer people to counselors. One, because counseling takes a lot of time. Two, if you counsel some people, sometimes they tell you everything, and then they think you know too much. So you like get them all fixed up in their relationship or whatever's going on in their life or whatever. Then they assume you know too much, then they go to another church. That's kind of sad, kind of hurts. But nonetheless, I'm available for those things. Some counselors are really good at listening. And this is maybe one reason why it takes so long, is because that counselor will help you to think that you discovered your new path, uh, your new insight on your own, so that you own it and you're more likely to do it. So it takes a long time to help people come to that point. I prefer, if I'm going to pay to go to a counselor, or if I'm going to counsel, to get, come up with a three-step plan. Say, this is broken, what needs to be done to fix it? I would like to hear, and maybe sometimes even say, first three things are, do this, change this, stop that. Do those three things, and when you got that going, come back. As opposed to coming week after week, and you know, wallowing in your self-pity and talking about things, which is really helpful for certain people, and some people are gifted to do that. I'm not that person. It's good that I realize I'm not that person too. But we refer people to different counselors all around. We have a list of Christian counselors we can su suggest that you follow, that you go to. But number one, follow the wonderful counselor. God's Word has given us so much information, so much wisdom, so many things that we should take and apply to our lives that we don't. So many times we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it. One, it's more fun not to do that. Or it's too hard, or it's too scary, or it's too much of a risk, or I'll do it some other day. And so we don't listen to the counsel of God's Word. James 1.15 says, uh, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When you think about the things that you do and the choices that you make, it can either lead to righteousness, it can lead to a godly living, it can lead to eternal significance, or it can lead to... Uh, spiritual death and disappointment and difficulty in your life and sadness. So did you see, I think I reposted it on the, the church Facebook page, but there's a lady that went to, well, what was the beginning of Crown College. So what was it, the St. Paul Bible Institute or something like that. She's like 112 years old and she's still serving Jesus. They were interviewing her at Crown College. There's a picture of her with Dr. Wiggins, the president. Can you imagine having 112 years of life? I mean, she's still alive too. So supposedly she's Minnesota's oldest person. Maybe she's so old because she went to a Bible. You have spent all those years and to wonder what the fruit of your life is. What have you done with those years? What have you done to follow Jesus? I was thinking about this. I have like little insights that pop into my mind. Sometimes they're really godly thoughts. Sometimes they're bizarre. Maybe you have them too. Maybe they're God things. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just interruptions. But I was like working on my sermon and I was working on stuff. And it just popped into my head. I have no idea why. And I thought to myself, you know, there's been a shortage of bees. I wonder if they have drone worker cross-pollinating bees. So then I go on Google, and it turns out they do. And I have no idea where that came from or how that even fits. But, you know, that, that can happen sometimes. You spend your time and you invest in doing the right things and making the right choices. And sometimes you fall. Or sometimes you have your, you're in your devotions and you're scheduled and you're doing things, you're reading your Bible plan and then all of a sudden you've got a weird thought that pops into your head that you just have to act on like, hey, maybe I could save the world with drone cross-pollinating bees. Maybe I should invent that. We could take the money and buy a church building. 
then you realize, whoa, that's messed up. That's a distraction. So then you get right back on track again, and you get back into what you were doing, and you keep going. That's why, actually, it's good to have a list of things that you're trying to accomplish, to have a plan, to be doing the important things, so when you get distracted, you can get back on track. Same thing is true if you fall into sin. So many times we fall into sin and we do the wrong things, and we think, oh, we might as well just give up. I mean, it's, it's the day is ruined. For instance, if you're trying to like keep track of your calories and you're eating, you're eating right and everything, and then somebody makes like some homemade cookies and they're like really good, and you like ate a lot of them, and you're like, oh, I blew my diet for the day. I might as well just eat whatever, and you know, I'll deal with it tomorrow or next week or January or April. I'll start that new diet. But instead, as soon as you realize you make a mistake, then make that change and start doing the right thing again. So with like eating, then say, okay, I ate all the cookies, I guess I'm not eating something for dinner. Or with sin, as soon as you realize you've fallen into sin, fallen down, get back up. I'm quick to get back up. Whenever I fall and it's a mistake, I always get back up and look around to see who saw me fall. Uh, I hope nobody. When ice skating, you don't sit there on the ice. You get up right away. And when you sin, when you fall into sin, think about what you've learned in God's Word. Think about what you can do and follow Jesus' counsel and confess that sin and be forgiven and move on. As soon as you realize you fell into sin, confess it, get up, move on. We get this idea that, you know, God is going to reject us because we messed up, but God doesn't love you because you're perfect. God doesn't love you because you keep a list. God loves you because you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and because you're his child, because you're following him. So as soon as you mess up, get up and run back towards Jesus. Do the right thing. Make the right choices. We have a wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor who knows what we think, who knows what we're going through, who realizes that we go through struggles and there are certain things in our life that are messed up, and he can help us. He can renew our mind as we read Scripture. The Holy Spirit can help us. Other Christians in our life can come alongside of us. Romans 11.34, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? He knows everything. I, I'm not going to give the Lord advice. He knows everything. I don't think you are. He knows everything. And this is the person, the real person, Jesus Christ, who can counsel us, give us advice. It seems like uh, many times uh, when you go through different stages of life, sometimes you get a life verse. When I, when I was baptized, the one pastor was like, here's, here's a life verse for you. And then um, when I got licensed for ministry, like, here's a life verse for you. And it always seems to be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I know there's a lot of other verses to choose from, but for me, it always seems to get Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When you don't know what to do, pray about it. When you don't know which career to choose, when you don't know which investment to make, when you don't know what to do with your resources, when you don't know how to get out of debt, when you don't know what to do with your sick child, the first thing you should do is pray and then act. Pray and then act. Pray and trust. Uh, many times when you call other, other godly people, uh, there is wisdom in the presence of many godly counselors, but follow the wonderful counselor. How many times do you start the day and say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you today. Lord, I am available to be used by you. Lord, speak to me. Teach me something new. Help me to teach someone else. Show me what I need to change. Help me to be more effective. Follow the wonderful counselor. Number two, be secure in the mighty God, our mighty God. So Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is almighty God. 
Colossians 1, 15 to 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. It says in Colossians 1, 16, he is almighty God. And we can trust that when we're walking in him and living in him and following his counsel and advice, that he can protect us, that he can provide for us, and that he can get us through. The thing we need him to do more than anything is to get us from this life to the next. And it's really hard. The only way you can really fathom it is by faith because it's hard to see. You know, when godly people die, we're not able to see them on the other side. We trust that they're there. Some people write books about it, and I'm not really sure if they're accurate or not, about, you know, their 60 minutes in heaven or their 90 minutes in heaven. I don't know if that's true or not. Only, only God knows. But we are secure in the mighty God. The people that this was prophesied to needed a mighty, powerful God. And we have a mighty, powerful God. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we receive power to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be effective in ministry. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts that we use to serve others. God is powerful and mighty, and we need to seek him. All of us are weak in some way. All of us fall short. All of us can't do it on our own. So I was, yesterday, I actually exercised wisdom because I was exercising. So I was on the rowing machine, and I just, on a whim, thought, I will just do this for 45 minutes. And that's kind of hard to do if you've ever tried to do it for 45 minutes. And halfway into it, I'm like, I could keep doing this, but I may not be able to stand there tomorrow. I may not be able to do what God needs me, what God has appointed me to do tomorrow. So 22 minutes into it, I was done. It was still really tired. The same is true in your Christian life. It is like on the back table there, I've got one of these little rechargeable batteries. And if things are going bad on your phone, you can like charge your phone, your tablet, whatever. And it helps when you have exhausted your power on your phone or your tablet that you can recharge and you can go another distance. When you spend time in God's Word and praying and, and living for Him and spending time with the Lord, you recharge. And that can only last so long. You can only do so much in your own strength, in your own power. It doesn't matter who you are or uh, what position you have or how much skill you have. You can never fully do it on your own in your own power if it's of God. You need to trust. You need to recharge in the mighty God. You need to be empowered by our mighty God if you want to be successful, if you want to have your life used for good things, if you want to be eternally significant. It's not you. It's Jesus. And we can be secure in the mighty God. We can know that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we can be forgiven of what we've done in the past or even what we're doing now. And we can trust in His grace and move forward. He gives us all these rules that we're supposed to follow. He puts up these fences so we don't destroy ourselves, hurt ourselves, mess up our lives and uh, end up in a world of hurt. And number three, trust the everlasting Father. So I already mentioned that, so we're talking about Jesus here, who is like the uh, beginning um, like of our country, George Washington, founding father. Jesus is founding father of our faith. Trust the everlasting Father. He is from the beginning of creation. He is from beyond that. Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That would be Jesus. 
Revelation 22, 13. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There would be many other verses we could share about that. But Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. We suffer. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's persecution. Sometimes it's lack. Sometimes we don't have enough. Facebook does a really good job of showing you that there's lots of people out there that are having way more fun than you are. Sometimes I look at all the pictures of these people and I'm like, man, are their kids always that perfect looking? Or how do they afford all that? I mean, they're always traveling all over. But sometimes God wants us to live in that, the way we are, being content. Some missionaries get to serve in really nice places, expensive places like Paris. Other people are missionaries and they get to serve in really humble places like some island in Indonesia. And they are all of the same importance in God's eyes. One's not blessed more than another. It's just different. And God gives us lives and sometimes they're different. Sometimes God's given us different education, different opportunities, and it's what we do with it that matters. So what we do with it that matters. John Ortberg shares the following story in his book, I'd Like You More If You Were More Like Me, which is a book from this year. He said, a few weeks ago when I was out surfing, there was no one else in the water except for a huge guy practicing martial arts on the beach. After I'd been out a little while, a tiny wisp of a kid came paddling up out of nowhere. I couldn't believe he was out there by himself. He pulled his little board right up next to mine. He was so small, he hardly needed a board. He could have stood up in the ocean on a frisbee. He told me his name was Shane. I asked him how long he'd been surfing, and he asked how long I'd been surfing. He said, seven years. I said, how old are you? The kid said, eight. Then I said, uh, what I like about surfing is it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people here. We talked for a while longer. Then I asked him, how did you get here, Shane? My dad brought me, he said. Then he turned around and waved at the near-empty beach. A Goliath doing martial arts waved back. Hi, son, he called out. Then I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His father was always watching, and his father was very big. Shane wasn't really alone at all, and neither are we. We can trust that Jesus is there for us. We can trust that Jesus cares for us. And we can trust that when we come into the Christmas season, that there's a way for us to proclaim Christ's message and to make sense out of all the stuff that isn't necessarily godly. I mean, if we really read our Bibles and we really get into it, we might say, oh, Jesus, I just want to follow you and serve you and forget all these distractions, you know, forget the Christmas trees, forget the lights, forget the presents, forget all that stuff. And so that might be more worshipful for us, but it might be hard to reach out to others. There's a cultural expectation sometimes, especially among children of gifts on Christmas Day. And uh, while it might be your sincerely held conviction that it's Jesus' birthday, the children may be disappointed with you as their parents. But Jesus is the reason for this season. And there's a video clip that I wanted to show you that might help you to see that you can use the different things of Christmas to reach out to others and really focus on the people more than the stuff. So let's just watch this. This year, we're finally going to get Christmas right. If it's not Jesus, it's got to go.
But would that really get us to focus on the reason for the season? We might find it easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The point of Jesus' birth was to bring God into humanity. What if we were able to see Jesus in all the traditions? The first Christmas was about God with us. Let's make this Christmas about us with God. May we see the joy of Christ in our kids' laughter. The love of Christ with our family. The heart of Christ in the gifts we give. The provision of Christ in the meals we share. the light of Christ as we decorate our homes, the wonder of Christ in the songs we sing, the hope of Christ in the quiet moments we share. Because when we see Jesus, we are getting Christmas right. I don't know if you have the Christmas gathering at your house or if you go somewhere else or, or what you do, you go to a Christmas office party or other Christmas gatherings, but in that time, there's lots of opportunities for discussion and to talk about things, and when somebody shares, you know, I'm just so confused, I don't know what to do, you live for and serve a wonderful counselor. When somebody says, what, I don't know how I'm going to get through, I don't know what I can do, you could say, could and think, you know, well, let's pray about it. I serve a mighty God. So when people, you know, wonder if they're loved, if they're cared for, if God is approachable, He is an everlasting Father. We have many, and next week we're going to talk about Prince of Peace, but Christmas time is a cultural time that we get to talk about Jesus, a cultural time when we get to focus on Jesus. I mean, I even thought whatever, saw whatever actor that is that plays Thor reading the Christmas story, at Disney World or Disneyland or something like that, um, the true Christmas story about Jesus. It's the time of the year that we have to share Christ, to share the gospel, to share the good news, and to lead people towards Jesus. So Easter is another time, but Christmas is the time where people are most accepting, most open to hearing about Jesus. So let's pray about that. Let's do that. Next week we're going to talk about Jesus, our Prince of Peace, but I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to live lives for you, Lord, so confident in our faith in you that if we fall into sin or trip into sin or do things wrong, that we will immediately get right back up, start following you, start living for you again, not to wallow in self-pity, not to run from you in shame, not to hide from you because we think that you don't know or see, but to run to you, to trust you, to follow your plan more than our own, to follow your counsel. Lord, we ask that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to know what it is that we should do, which path to take, which route to choose, what to do with our days, Lord, how to respond to people that are difficult. Lord, we pray that you'd open the door in these many areas and that you would help us. God, help us to focus on you this Christmas time and to enjoy the season. Uh, enjoy 
uh, everything about it. We thank you. We worship you. If there's anybody here that's never received you as their Lord and Savior, let them come to you in prayer saying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I realize you died on the cross and rose again. Please forgive me and to come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you and then help them to follow after you and help us to encourage them and help them grow in their faith. We thank you for this worship time in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.